Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The following podcast is a member of the Great Big Owl family. This is bitching. Every week we talk about a different person. We dissect, we divulge, we veer wildly off track. And we're so grateful for the listeners and for each other and for our lives and for the universe and thank you. And for the weird drill that's just started (laughs) in my rented accommodation that I have absolutely no control over. But that's okay. I'm a a different person now that I have... uh... I'm going to fucking kill someone. I'm going to (laughs) murder... You were so close to being a different person. And that wasn't very Russell Brand of me. That wasn't very spiritual enlightenment of me. This week we're doing Russell Brand. I should be able to take out some of the drilling uh, in post, but I may not. And we don't have a whole lot of um, technical choice at the moment. Expertise as well. Um, yeah. Well, we don't have we don't have choice or spiritual expertise. I've read a couple of self help books, but other than that. Oh my god, that I is think a loud it's drill. The what is that? I think it's worse. It'll be worse on the. Oh no, it is annoying. Mike. It is annoying. It's, are they drilling and but simultaneously this is hoovering? I don't fucking know. I don't know what goes on in this building. All sorts happens that I have absolutely so, no. So I've started. I've started keeping a diary of my lawnmower man. Have I told you about my lawnmower man who comes around every day and mows the lawn? And. Um, I've started keeping a diary so that when somebody says, does he actually come around every day, I can show them my diary and say, look. So today he came round at 8.30am and he finished mowing the lawn at 10.30am and then he started mowing the lawn again at 5 past 11. And Wait, he does finished. he have some sort of like, does he have some sort of issue because grass doesn't grow that quickly? So does he have some kind of like predilection for, does he want to fuck? Uh, Grass I, or honestly, <laughs> this is what this is this is what I'm trying to work out. So he's employed by the residents association, but he literally comes around on a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and obviously, like trying to do audio stuff. It's just I'm I'm going to turn my hotspot on Tilly because I think I keep cutting out. Do I? Yeah, I think it is your internet actually. I think my internet's down because of the very strong winds. Are you having very strong winds at yes, your end? Yes, there, there are lots of winds happening. It's very windy today. It's a conspiracy to keep us off the airwaves because <laughs> our takes are so spicy and hot and the, fresh and The cool. truth will not be stopped by the winds. The revolution instigated by me and Russell Brand. Shall I read his Wikipedia page? Go on then. Russell Edward Brand, born the 4th of June 1975, is an English comedian... Oh, wait, there's something... One of my tabs is refusing to close, so there's something... It says, actor, radio, host, writer, and... And then there's a big tab blocking the next bit. Oh, it's come off and it says, uh, writer and activist. There we go. After bigger in a river. 
After beginning his career as a comedian and later becoming an MTV presenter, Brand first achieved renown, renown in 2004 as the host of Big Brother's Big Mouth, a Big Brother spin-off. Blah, 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 St. Trinian's, blah, 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 get him to the Greek, blah, blah, blah. The Trues, Katy Perry, etc. So what so. do you think? <laughs> it's difficult, isn't it? Because on one hand, I, it's very clear that Russell Brand has undergone a spiritual transformation, I believe. And I do think he's clearly a much... He's a different person, I think, to who he was. But equally, I'm very annoyed by him. You're annoyed by what he said about Cardi B. That's your, is that your main gripe or are there other gripes? Um, I think my main gripe is really the superiority of kind of setting yourself up as a sort of I'm sure he would disagree with this but kind of setting yourself up as a spiritual guru with the the white flowing clothes and the beads and all the rest of it I'm up for that when you I mean I've I've I I can't say anything like specific because we don't have any lawyers. And I'm not really interested in, like, necessarily condemning someone because of the mistakes of their past, because I do believe people can change. And I do believe that people who have had misogynistic actions in their... Is that music? Oh, that yeah, thing? I'm so sorry. I've just... I think Matt's about to get in the shower, so whenever... You know when Matt's about to get into the shower because it turns into, like, party hour. <laughs> Anyone that we go to Edinburgh Fringe with will know that as soon, even if it's 6am, if Matt's in the shower, it's like it's like you're in heaven. It's music time. The club heaven, yeah. It's like... Yeah. It's <laughs> like... It's just like, right... Right, it's time party. for Little Mix. Yeah, exactly. So apologies if you caught a bit of that during... Uh, that's all right. I'm just thinking of copyright. What was I saying? Uh, misogynism. Is that a word? <laughs> it is now. Um, I don't necessarily. I don't necessarily think that someone who has perpetrated misogyny in the past can't become a better man. Because I've I've literally seen it in my own life. I have literally seen men who I knew when I was younger who had done things that had harmed me. Nothing like massively serious that like scarred me or anything Mm. but things that people had said or done I have seen them change over the course of 10 years or however long I've known specific people not all of them have apologized but I haven't really requested that from them because I believe that the best apology is changing your behavior in the future um so I, I that's why I'm hesitant to just be like well Russell Brand was doing this and therefore he should never say anything about women ever again because it's like well you know he talks about a lot of subjects on his um youtube show and his podcast so i understand that his critique of cardi b and megan came from a place of wanting to critique capitalism and the society in which we all live but unfortunately when that critique in, in his mind, I'm sure he's like, well, I'm divorced from my ego now and I reside in the <laughs> magical cloud above all of us. And that's fucking great, but you can't ignore the fact that to everyone else, you're still just Russell Brand. Like, fair play to him for having his spiritual growth and all the rest of it, but 
they're fucking brass balls (laughs) to be talking about the choices of two black women writing a song about having sex and enjoying it and being like, oh, maybe this is bad, actually. I'm like, I don't... It's not that I don't want to hear a nuanced analysis of that sort of music, which I enjoy. It's not that I don't want to hear a nuanced analysis of it. It's just that I don't want to hear it from Russell Brand. Because I don't, I don't believe that I'm going to hear anything particularly groundbreaking. And indeed, we did not. <laughs> That's my point with that. And just, I think I'm being very fair. No, I think actually. you're being fair. Just a tiny bit of context. It's for the, the Cardi B um, feature. Oh, come on. There's no one in the world who doesn't know what WAP is. I completely disagree. So I thought that, but I realised I get most of my information from your Twitter feed. We had people... (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God, please do not use my Twitter feed as a source of news. I've been really... Yeah, I've been really excited to share share WAP with people who don't know what it is. And if you don't know what it is, I recommend Googling Cardi B WAP featuring uh, Megan Three Stallion. It's quite something and it's really interesting actually because lots of people's reaction is to be really shocked and appalled and and actually it's why I think what Russell Brand said wasn't helpful because it's not like he's countering something that people aren't already thinking and those judgments that people are already making if that makes sense it's it does but I think ultimately him kind of leading a sort of like oh what is this representing it kind of just does the same He's critiquing it in a different way from like ben, how Ben Shapiro is critiquing it. But ultimately, it does end up having the same sort of puritanical, uh, judgmental slant to it. Because yeah. essentially you're... But what he's trying to do is present a counter-narrative, but I don't think that he's countering a narrative that's mainstream. Maybe I'm wrong, but I feel like a lot of people... Yeah. The reason that video is so successful is because it is incredibly provocative and a lot of people... Yeah, but also it's Card, it's Cardi and Megan. I think that's also what he doesn't understand is just how powerful and significant to everyone right now, Cardi B and Megan The Stallion are. Like they're two incredibly powerful artists, and that's what Cardi B said about the song. She said, "I knew that it would cause a stir and a reaction because I did it with Megan," but she says she wasn't expecting the kind of um, the sort of puritanical backlash there has been. Because ultimately, let's face it, like the sexualized images in music are certainly nothing new anymore. They that were like embedded. They're just so embedded in like music videos, and yeah. it really is. It's not shocking anymore to see that kind of. So I don't actually think it's the imagery that has caused the stir. I think what has caused the stir is the phrase "wet ass pussy." <laughs> that is what has upset people. I really would If it was just... Imagine if that was your legacy. If it was just a song about, like, I don't know, you know, if it was a song like Bodak Yellow where, you know, Cardi's rapping about her story and money and and acquiring, you know, material wealth and stuff, I don't think it would have caused the same stir that Wet Ass Pussy has. People are upset because they don't like hearing about pussies and they definitely don't like hearing about them being wet. And women enjoying sex. Yeah, completely agree. But what definitely has happened is Russell Brand has not gone unpunished for his comments. Like, Oh my God, no. It, the but equally, I think he's uncancellable at this point. I, I think he probably knew the reaction he would get from posting that. I hope so. He's not an idiot, is he? You'd hope not. But it was weird. I don't know if you found this. I was like, God, it's been a while since I've seen Russell Brand trending on my Twitter 
fears like I know he's still been present but it, it reminded me of and and you know I really followed the truths which is this YouTube channel and particularly when I was in sixth form it was such a a, a habit of mine was to watch what Russell Brand thought about things and I'd forgotten that until I saw him trending how he was this sort of like political maybe guru is too strong but he was he had such a huge following of young people because it was mm. really exciting to have such a outspoken public figure who was so openly left wing there weren't that many people doing that oh I think Russell is definitely an outlier in his views for kind of like the amount of fame that he has had and the amount of wealth as well and kind of how embedded he was in like British culture I think less so now but but exactly um, I've not quite realized how much that was only in 2015 that he was at such a peak of being you know yeah but you know uh, Ed Miliband going and being interviewed on his YouTube channel that's the kind of level of influence that he was having during like the 2010 election and and the 2015 election and it's just interesting how like was it 2015 that's me being bad at politics but it's just I have blocked every single election out (laughs) it's been so many not another one um (laughs) oh you're joking not another one look at that look at those skills (laughs) hire me I'm so available (laughs) But yeah, I'd not quite recognise the sort of, not decline, because I know he's still very present, but it was funny to see him trending again. Um, and do you remember during the, it was the Ed Miliband election where he really vocally encouraged people not to vote. He said, don't vote. We this No, but in, in the end, he did say, but after, you should vote and vote Labour. Yeah, but after everyone had missed the registration deadline, so there were <laughs> loads of young people who followed you know I knew some people at my sixth form who followed him and as a result didn't Mm. register to vote because he was a sort of political leader and then and then yeah after everyone had missed the deadline he was like actually I've changed my mind you should vote Labour which really annoyed loads of very very left-wing people and really annoyed loads of Labour people so he just it's what comes with just being really outspoken and incredibly reactive though isn't it is that you are just Mm. gonna change your mind about stuff and it's something that I think he does do, and it's part of the reason that it feels really hypocritical is he does just well, change I think, his mind about stuff. Yeah, well, I think he rejects electoral politics, which a lot of like people on the more sort of anarchist side of the left do. Um, and I don't really, I'm not really well read enough about like anarcho-communism to say like how I feel about electoral politics right now. I feel incredibly conflicted about it, but I don't know if you can really say that telling people not to vote as a multi-millionaire who because I was just watching one of his videos and he was talking about um he was talking about the concept of the one in relationships and how basically you anything you look for that's external will never fill the desire in you for connection and to kind of meet your higher self which is like a, a term that's used a lot in recovery and it's probably something that I agree with but he also said interestingly you also can't expect it from political parties and I was like oh that's interesting that that's his kind of Mm. his journey I think has probably influenced how he feels about demanding things of people in power is that essentially if you rely too heavily on electoral politics you can kind of put yourself in a position where you start to feel very helpless and I've definitely noticed that in myself at the moment as I start feeling oh god like we've got this conservative government they literally are totally divorced from their own humanity and the humanity of the people that they uh, supposedly are leading 
And I start to feel overwhelmed and very sad. And I think a lot of people who are very vocal, vocal about politics have started feeling the same way. So in a way, I kind of get that there's a lot of there's a part of me a lot at the moment that just keeps like look how much I'm monologuing like you can tell I've been listening to Russell Brown can't you (laughs) there's a part of me that thinks god if I just had like a million pounds I'd buy like a plot of land somewhere and I'd build some little houses and I'd just like create like my own commune and like my friends could come and go and, like, we'd grow our own vegetables and we'd just, like, fucking, like, cut ourselves off from the world. And we wouldn't... Or at least we wouldn't necessarily feel reliant on the rest of the world for our own growth as people and for our own sense of, like, hope and, like, connection to, like, the universe or whatever. Mm. But that is ultimately a very privileged position to be able to take, to be able to be like, well, don't look at the parties for your... There's no point voting. It's like, well, no, there's not if you've got millions of pounds and it's like whatever. Mm. But for the person who's on benefits, like it, it is something that's, you know, you're not you're not doing it for yourself. You're not doing it for your own sense of spiritual awakening or whatever. You're doing it so that it might make things slightly better if everyone feels that way. Mm. But I do agree that at the moment especially, I think it's incredibly detrimental to your mental health to feel like you can control the whole world. I love that he compares, like, it's in within the same sort of context of the one in terms of relationships. Mm. That's so interesting that he sort of views both of those, that, you know, because most people would view their relationships as being much more significant than their politics, and I think that says a lot about him, that clearly... And it's what I've always really liked about him. He's so conscious of the world around him, and it's never... You know, he he does always have a hot take on everything and often I, I really disagree with him on stuff and particularly as I've got older and I'm less just like, uh, what do you call it? A sheep? What's the... Sheeple. I'm less one of the sheeple. <laughs> you, you're thinking for yourself more. Yeah, but I do... I, it's something I've always really admired about him is he's never, ever shied away from getting involved in the fact that we are all... That we aren't in a commune, that every single decision you make is related to everybody else and it's and it's felt really important at the time that there was somebody who was so critical of the status quo and so critical of the establishment in such a like in such a public position but then obviously with that comes a lot of power and responsibility which is why I think him telling people not to vote like you say was you know I can't criticize him for it because I do completely understand and agree with a lot of the things he said but then to u-turn on it felt a bit Mm. like I think when when Jeremy Corbyn was um, leader, he did... I think he has changed his position on voting since then. Mm. But it's certainly not a cornerstone of how he believes that. I think he thinks that, like, real change will come through, like, a kind of grassroots movement of kind of everyone being awakened to their higher selves. And then once we're all awakened to our higher selves, we won't perpetuate the sort of... um, harm that we do in our lives and that we'll all just stop paying our rent and they won't be able to do anything because we'll all stop paying our rent a lot can happen in three years like a chatbot maybe your new best friend 
But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. He was calling for revolution and a lot of people really sort of took the mickey because it, it felt really devoid from like reality but what I can so imagine being him because what happened was he just got such a huge following of people who agreed with him and it made him realize it made a lot of people who followed his YouTube realize that like everybody feels the same and feels frustrated and wishes that there was a different system and Mm. the word revolution sounds like this really extreme thing but if you've got that many people who think that the system is really dysfunctional then Mm. why not in a way I remember as well seeing a clip of him when because he had been really supportive of loads of housing campaigns and um Mm. the Focusy 15 campaign which is a campaign I was a bit involved in and who were absolutely amazing he like went and really supported them during one of their housing occupations and he was like asking what he could do and they were saying like just do what everyone else is doing and like bring food and be here and support and he did that like he did that and I thought that was really Mm. showed that he wasn't just all speech but I remember seeing this clip where he was at the like end austerity march or something and somebody was saying um it was in somewhere in south london I think they were saying we're calling for 50% social housing he said why are you doing that you should be calling for 100% social housing and I think that just sums him up that he's not he doesn't believe in like compromising and fitting within the system like he thinks that if you're going to do change you should be asking for complete like mass revolutionary change yeah there's an interview with him in the guardian where he says that um this was in like 2014, by the way, so he might have changed his position on this. But he was basically saying that, um, kind of similar, I think, to how some left-wing people felt when Trump got elected was, okay, now things will become so bad that everyone will want a revolution. So ultimately, going t- further to the right will eventually lead to a better outcome. I don't know how I feel about that. but <laughs> So like, it's almost like, her fingers crossed, it gets worse. Because then... Yeah, so that everyone starts feeling the sense of emptiness and then eventually everyone will... <laughs> Rise up. Rise up, yeah. Well, there is, you know, and this is, again, what I, I always find challenging about him is it is so theoretical and so intellectual. Like, there is a level of truth to that. The, the expression is like, we're always three square meals away from a revolution that idea that if you are hungry enough then you will get angry and I think not in Britain though in France yeah but (laughs) but like we'd just moan (laughs) we'd just be like oh what do you mean what do you mean it's not going to be till tomorrow till we get fed oh damn and we'd but we'd all just we'd we'd be fuming but we'd all just seethe (laughs) quietly seethe in France, they'd already have have them out by the scruff of the necks and be building the guillotine. Like, although look at the success of the protests for the A level results. How amazing was that? I mean, they don't really have any option but to U turn. But how- yeah, but you know, I've got a conspiracy theory about this. So, <laughs> go on then. For those who don't follow your Twitter feed, well, my Twitter's private for exactly this reason because I tweet stupid shit. I basically think that they are now making massive mistakes on purpose in order to clean them up 
and look like they are uh, capable. I actually think that a lot of it has been deliberate and I think that it's kind of part of a conditioning to show us that they can do things when they want to do them and to kind of purposefully uh, make us all feel as helpless as possible and also to kind of um, really weaken uh, the opposition. Uh, I think Keir Starmer, at the moment, it's kind of like he's nowhere to be found because the conversation is totally centred around the fuck-ups and then the subsequent cleaning up of the fuck-ups. There's not really a longer conversation going on about the inequality, the inequality across the board that has been created. It's more like the extreme highs, the extreme lows, rather, of the real worst fuck-ups that are being focused on, as opposed to the kind of low-level distress and misery that we're all experiencing, Mm. Um, which I think ultimately is kind of creating this narrative around, you know, like, dishy-rishy, you know, all right, (laughs) like, I've been given some money, you've been given some money, that's great, but there's, like, thousands of people who are completely financially fucked, and also there are a lot of self-employed people who, for months... Uh, lived in total distress and fear and there was no communication from the government you know and some people probably got themselves into debt other people will have had to you know be forced into very difficult positions and that isn't really being talked about this the depth of that fuck up isn't really being talked about instead it's like oh we everyone lots of people got the grant not everyone did and the kind of the huge the cost on people's humanity is not what's being talked about. It's only being talked about in totally material terms. Mm. And I think it's distorting our way of thinking. And I actually think it's deliberate. And I think it's I think it's Dominic Cummings. I think you're giving them way too much credit. I just think they don't care. Like, I just think with the algorithms and things... Like, those algorithms... I read this article, which I will not sum up well, but they're being used in every aspect of our lives already, that algorithm that decided Mm. the A-level results in terms of housing, in terms of who gets benefits. They already are rigged to expect a disproportionate level of inequality Mm. and therefore that kind of, that self-fulfills in the way that things are decided by algorithms and this just shone a light on that inequality that already exists. And and for the first time, everyone was up in, like, outraged about Mm. it and therefore they had to sort of deal with it. But I don't know that kind of few A-level students that I've spoken to don't think, oh, they've U-turned, it's because they've changed, you know, oh, they've sorted it all out for us. I think they think, well, this is just evidence that they didn't even, that they that they didn't think about anybody other than the kind of elite few. Um, mm. And that hasn't changed. They've just had to kind of confront the public shaming of it all. <laughs> but maybe, um, but maybe, right. I also think the election cycles mean that actually, I don't know if they're that interested in the moment that, and how popular they are or what people think of them because they're so good 12 months before an election at reshifting the narrative and pretending the last five years weren't anything to do with them so they just do what they like in those five years and then in whatever mm. it is in four years time I think ultimately it's not about popularity anymore I think it's not about being liked I don't p- think that I don't think that people want a government that they like I, th- I think I mean, again, this is me, like, totally tinfoil hat, and I could see you looking at me like, please don't be so cynical. But I I think if Trump in America has shown anything, it's that people don't make decisions in the way that we, like, rationalise that they do. And I just, I don't know how 
in order for people to feel hope, you have to give them something to hope for. And if they don't have anything to hope for, or any like real feeling like, oh, this can be different, why would you not vote for the controlling person? Why would you not vote for the authoritarian person? 100%, and it fits back into those algorithms. I don't think it's, I don't think it's you being too cynical. I think it's, I think it's that they don't need to have that level of coercion for us to do that anyway. I think if you look yeah. at the last election, people, there were sort of polls that showed people are much more likely to vote for people who went to public school and who are very well spoken because we view them as being the people who can sort things out and being smarter than us and being people, you know, leadership quality. I remember mm. with Boris Johnson, everyone thought he was untrustworthy. The polls showed people thought that, that they thought that he wasn't less. I don't know if you can hear my flatmates singing. I can so hear sorry. it, yeah. <laughs> sorry, listener. Um, but they but they still thought he was the better quote unquote leadership like had leadership qualities because yeah because he's a bully yeah and because he's harsh and because he's you know and he and he's the type of person we're used to being in those roles therefore we sort of mm. learn to expect that but um, but to come back to Russell Brand yes it, veering wildly <laughs> off topic as ever um, it it is no it is relevant because he sort of he's always challenged that status quo and he's always. You know, even I remember watching an interview with the way he said that he purposefully uses sort of very big words in order to try and talk to people within a language that they have built, within an elitism that they have built, for example, about things like early intervention, um, his sort of early intervention campaigning and his and his addiction campaigning. He's he's sort of become this person who can sit in select like select committees and sound eloquent um like he swallowed addiction and i think anyone who's come from that sort of working class background which he has really understands that that sort of language is kind of like a a signifier that you belong in a room and it's if you can wield it correctly then it is a way of getting people in power to listen to you and i think he really understands that and he's such a rare rare example of somebody who suffered so severely with addiction and you know is in recovery and he talks about that really openly and has created a lot of um, publicity around what addiction actually means and is which is such a rare example I think because particularly with heroin addiction it's sort of it's not it's not that common that people come back from that and our success stories which is really impressive but it doesn't mean that I always agree with him it's it's complicated I do think I I wonder what it does for like how you view the world if you because addiction is incredibly difficult to deal with and the fact that he managed to get himself out of the situation that he was in and get sober and clean. I mean, most of us never really grow out of our patterns, do we? I think it takes a lot of anyone who's in therapy or any sort of recovery knows how hard it is to unpick the patterns that have become really addictive in your own life. And so I think if you can manage it, I think you kind of would believe in like the possibility of like the whole world changing overnight because your own world has kind of changed overnight. Yeah, that's so beautiful. I'd not thought about it like that. That's so true. And it's where all of his slightly um, spiritual rebirth stuff, it all comes from that. It all comes from his addiction and needing to find mm. a new focus and his meditation being so important in doing mm. that. And he spoke about, you know, in, you're always in recovery for the rest of your life and every morning you wake up and you think about the thing that you're addicted to and that's something mm. that he that he lives with and it's really impressive and you know if you look back to his sort of childhood and upbringing it sounds horrific oh he had an absolutely horrific time like 
his dad took him to see sex workers in Thailand when he was like when he was like 15 I think he was raised Um, by his mum who then developed cancer and he sort of had to move in with she got cancer twice she got uterine cancer and then she got breast cancer and he had to move in like with other family while she recovered so it's not really a surprise that he then you know had the sort of life that he has had yeah it's interesting as well he's managed to sort of uh oh my gosh I think the best performance that he's done is the voice yeah. in Despicable Me oh I haven't seen it <gasps> it's what a performance what what voice does he do he's the scientist doctory genius um, what kind of accent does he do he does his own accent but he, he's, oh, he's right, playing okay. a sort of old older man and it's a sort of yeah uh, I don't know how to describe it I didn't realise it was Russell Brand it was it's quite something mm. he's got a career in voice work He's, I mean, he's got a career full stop, that's the thing. I think he's kind of... I think he's kind of similar to Joe Rogan in a way, but, like, less harmful in that he's not... Uh, like, I don't think he's going to have Elon Musk on his show anytime soon, but he does kind of have, like, a lot of, like, spiritual leaders on his show, and he does just kind of let them... He had Eckhart Tolle on, and he just let Eckhart Tolle talk for, like, 40 minutes. But, yeah, I mean, I think he's kind of turned his back on his old life but we all still remember him that's the hard thing about fame isn't it we still have the image of who he was and then who he is now and particularly when he was so vocal throughout all of his career about his views on everything which is what I've always really admired him for even when I've disagreed with him like at least he's Mm. been up front and he's and he's out on the streets at protests and he's actively Mm. trying to do good things but it does mean Mm. that then when you've got a youtube channel that's gonna come back to come back Mm. to get you apparently that's why he split up with katie perry because he wanted her i mean this is all from fucking wikipedia um and he gets a lot of stick because i haven't seen the documentary but in the documentary part of me that's katie perry's documentary yeah katie perry's documentary he ends their marriage over text. He sends her a text saying that they're going to get a divorce. He says it's not the whole story and he's kind of refused to ever talk about her in any great detail publicly. What was I saying? It's the interesting about thing about him, because I was saying... Yes, so apparently they... The reason he says they were incompatible... I mean, I don't know if he says this or if it's like hearsay or whatever. It's probably loads of bollocks. <laughs> says that... Um, he wanted her to be more involved in activism and, like, possibly use her platform more in a political sense. Which, like, when you're Katy Perry, like, America's pop sweetheart, you can't really be like, communism's great. (laughs) I mean, you totally should do that, Katy Perry, if you're listening. (laughs) But you can't really be like, yeah, social housing, because, like... You're literally like a you're literally a tool of the machine. Yeah, like you, yeah. you're a pop star. Like you're not meant to say anything that radical, really. Yeah. Um, wow. Yeah, was that, and I think also that he wanted to have kids, and yeah, she wasn't ready. Or... Which is really surprising because I think a lot of people assumed because he really, really wouldn't talk about it. Would he'd say there's two people in this relationship, and I'm only one of them, so I don't want to speak for both of us. Mm. Um, which I think is such a clever way of sort of having the high ground because then when she brings out a documentary. <laughs> You look like, you know, you've not dragged everyone's name through everything and it's quite smart because it means he could have done bad things, he just doesn't want to talk. But who knows? But, um, but it's yeah, it's interesting how I, th- I think a lot of people thought it was the other way around because of his sort of known 
pornography addiction and sex addiction and stuff if one th- and being sort of very sexually open and having lots of different partners I think everyone thought that it was probably that he'd been continuing with that lifestyle and actually it seems to be that he was really keen to sort of settle down and particularly for her to settle down that was her criticism wasn't it that he wanted a woman who wasn't so high flying and who was the boss um quote unquote I think is what she, how she put oh, it in right, yeah. her documentary but to actually be a bit more settled and obviously her lifestyle is not settled just saying yeah international pop star yeah yeah and his life now is like very domestic Mm. before you called he was um i was watching a video of him and his wife making soap what and she'd like measured all the things out like he was a child and was like showing him like what to do to make this squidgy soap it was very um she's clearly a very caring stable person and i can completely understand why he craves that from the Mm. upbringing that he's had and from the issues that he's faced in his life you would just want yeah you want a mummy wouldn't you (laughs) that's really sensitive to her don't we all want a mummy mummy. (laughs) uh well that was russell brand and that was russell brand i'm so impressed because i thought we were going to have to basically bleep out 50 percent of the episode and i feel like we've i think we've been very fair because ultimately we don't know what went on in his life yeah you can only judge someone as far as you can judge yourself and i'm a piece of shit so <laughs> and that's whatever. that's the podcast isn't it that is the podcast but also i'm not setting myself up as a guru on youtube so one day you will when you get that twitch account <laughs> oh god <laughs> all right well helen's got to go and do a million things and i need to go and lie down so <laughs> see you again see you again You've been listening to Bitchin', a podcast by Tilly Steele and Helen Monks. Our music was by Dave Cribb and our artwork was by Luke W. Watson. Great Big Owl.